about religion that we have to remember when we're talking about that makes it such a hot topic issue is because we're talking about law. Who gets to be God? Who gets to be God's deputies? Who is the most high? Who is the divine authority? It's all about the claim to the most high. The only way that somebody can be higher than us is if we give away our power. Because there's nobody, we're all equal. But we're not equal in our knowledge, so ultimately, I think it does have to be a hierarchy, but it has to be a cooperative hierarchy, like a bee colony. We have to, it's about what our value system is, what we care about. Universal Hive Mind. Today is November the 7th, 2023. Big 7-Eleven today. I'm your host, Nate Cap, and welcome to the 63rd Cubbyhole Podcast, where critical topics are unveiled, discussed, and tested. The website for today's show is cubbyhole.com. That's C-U-B-B-Y-W-H-O-L-E.com. And if you prefer to listen to the show on a different platform, you can also listen with Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Amazon, Pandora, Simplecast, YouTube, Odyssey, Minds, BitChute, and much more. So thank you for tuning in to the cubbyhole. And if this is your first time listening, I definitely recommend that you go back to podcast number one and work your way forward in order. So that way you'll get the maximum value and really have a better understanding of the overarching message within this whole uh, cubbyhole podcast, okay? Definitely do not just start here. So this show is going to be fairly jam-packed. It's not going to be a big show, um, but maybe it will be. I don't know. Um, I don't plan on it to be, but I'm going to cover some important events in the beginning uh, that just took place, as well as give some updates on future shows and presentations and events. And the topics that I'm going to cover in this show is basically, uh, it's dealing with the third degree of esoteric Freemasonry, okay? And that's what I've been talking about for the past uh, three or four, maybe actually five shows so far that are dealing with this degree. And I'm going to continue to expand on this degree. Um, it's a very important degree. I mean, they're all three just as important as the other. Um, but I have, I'm, you know, I'm definitely talking about all three degrees now. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about the second degree and the first degree. And I'm going to keep on expanding on all three degrees as I go. Okay. But uh, this show and uh, maybe the next few shows are going to be dealing mostly with the third degree. And I'm going to expand on what I covered in the last show, number uh, show number 62, called A Master Mason. And basically, I'm just going to refine what I already talked about, you know, just add on more to what I was talking about in that show, uh, dealing with the 3-4-5 ratio which is the Masonic or the Freemasonic cornerstone, uh, which is also dealing with Euclid's 47th proposition and the Pythagorean theorem, the uh, three, four, five 
right angle triangle, which is, you know, found through the Egyptian string trick. And also I talked about the Comitian Trinity, which is dealing with Osiris, Isis, and Horus. And that's dealing with the triune brain. That is the science of the triune brain, the ancient Egyptian science. And also I talked about the symbol, the number seven, and you know, especially dealing with the lunar mythos, something that just say a bow ring did an excellent job at storing within his first degree tracing board. And then also uh, I talked about Osiris, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more today, as well as Ma'at, the goddess Ma'at, uh, dealing with the, um, you know, being straight in, in our behavior, you know, dealing with, you know, the, the perpendicular line of the plumb line with the horizontal uh, coming together, the, the level and the plumb rule coming together to make the perpendicular, you know, and this is about behavior. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and also the symbol of the letter L, the capital letter L. So it's going to be fairly jam-packed and um, we'll see where it goes. Um, it's it's going to be a pretty big show. So just, just to start off, uh, before I get into the events, Esoteric Freemasonry is I really want you to think of it like a sharp knife, a sharp kitchen knife, okay? So what what can a knife be used for? What is a kitchen knife typically used for? Typically it's used to cut, you know, foods like carrots, right? Or or cucumbers or, you know, a sandwich or you know, whatever the food is that you're making that you need a knife for, right? But that same knife can be used for taking someone's life, murdering someone, right? And there's a few other, you know, uses for a knife, but it can also be used for defending yourself against someone who is trying to murder you, right? So there's there's a few uses for a kitchen knife, right? So thinking of this knife as a uh, a tool or a weapon, it's the same thing with Freemasonry, in a sense, especially esoteric Freemasonry. So Freemasonry is it's a tool, okay? It's a tool for evolving the self and understanding the self and the connection, you know, to earth or the celestial universe, right? But this science, uh, this, this art and science of esoteric Freemasonry can also be used in a psychological playbook to be used uh, by those who wish to control the minds of others, you know, the dark psychologists of this world, okay, who've been running this world for thousands and thousands of years, okay? So 
this uh, esoteric Freemasonry is essentially an ancient, high-tech, psychological weapon for these uh, dark psychologists, these sorcerers who want their way with the people of this world. Okay? But it's also, um, it's an ancient high-tech weapon. It's a major spiritual shield for the magicians of this world. So you have these sorcerers who have the lowercase will, you know, pushing their lowercase will onto others to get their way, right? It's, it's a form of dark magic. And these people know how the mind works. They understand it. And so they understand it because they understand this information that I'm sharing with you on here. They understand how the mind works. They understand that they can get their way with people who don't understand this information. Right? So that's a form of dark magic because they're occulting or they're uh, you know, trying to keep people's minds entertained away from learning this type of information, aka uh, video games and endless news, uh, mainstream news, uh, uh, you know, all these movies that you see in TV shows on Netflix. They're having their way with people's minds because they know this information. They know how to use this information to their advantage to push their agenda, which is to maintain control over the people and make them go in the direction they want them to go. Okay? And there's a lot more to that, but I'm just saying they know this information. They're using it for their lowercase will. That's what they're using it for. They're using it for their ego-driven desires of control. Okay? The R-complex is in control. The apex of control of the whole world is through the R-complex. Because that's all it wants to do is control the extant. It wants to control others. But the magician, the magician wants to use real magic, which is bringing light into the world, by helping others become conscious. And therefore, what that does to the whole world is it helps raise consciousness. So as you raise consciousness and become aware of this playbook, you are helping the whole world raise in consciousness. But of course, you know, when you're putting it out into the world and helping others by teaching it, by teaching this information, by giving people the chance to even have you know, uh, 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 
a chance to become conscious of this information, that is a form of magic, light magic, or you can call it white magic. Okay. So that's what this, uh, you know, ancient high tech magic is. I mean, well, you know, this, this, these, uh, this art and science of Freemasonry, when you take it into yourself, you're creating or revealing the shield because that's what it's about. It's about a spiritual shield that you're building to ward off any of this dark mind control that these people know very well who are using this dark magic of mind control all the time to get their way. They're manipulators, they're psychopaths, they're, you know, they're dark psychologists. They know this information. And so it's very, very important to understand that. And, you know, when, <laughs> when I'm talking to people, uh, you know, in the airways, whoever's listening, you have to understand that this information is going out to everybody. And that means people who are truly wanting to do the right thing and raise consciousness and help others to raise consciousness. Okay. And that really is the right thing to do and to spread this information as wide as possible. Or there are possibly going to be people that listen to this information and they want to use it for their own gain. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> just like a knife, right? Someone who wants to murder someone and they, uh, let's just say that, you know, a knife, uh, a kitchen knife is all they have. Well, they're going to pick that up and they're going to use it. They're going to use it to get the job done. Okay. What they want, what they care about. Okay. And it's the same thing if you uh, want to defend yourself against someone who's trying to murder you. You have the right to pick up that same knife and defend yourself. Okay. And, uh, you know, and also you have the right to, you know, cut some carrots or some celery or something. Right. But the point is, is that. If we can understand that these mystery traditions like tarot or, you know, the Kabbalistic tradition or Freemasonry, the esoteric Freemasonry, if we can understand them as a way to protect ourselves, it's a form of self-defense spiritually. Okay, psychologically, emotionally. Well, it's a it's so much better when we pick up that same weapon and care about ourselves to not allow that to happen anymore and to also help other people 
understand what's really going on here. And it's a very beautiful experience when you really put yourself through this information, okay? Because it's transformative. It's transformative going from the darkness of ignorance into, you know, higher states of awareness, you know, going in degrees of enlightenment to be inward lightened, right? Enlightened. And that's what it's about. Because when we have light, then we can see. And when we can see, we can actually defend and know what we're defending against. So it's very important to understand that this is a very high-tech weapon or tool, okay? And if anything, I mean, you know, if if you're not, uh, I mean, obviously anybody who's going to be getting into this type of information, it's because they want to, you know, understand the weapon, okay? Whether they're going to use the weapon for good or bad, they're going to learn the weapon, learn how to use it, learn how to use it correctly, learn how to use it to their advantage and help other people learn, okay? And it's, it's extremely important to understand it that way, okay? It's not something you're just going to play with. This is definitely not something to play with, okay? This information is all about, I mean, if you're, if you're using it for the correct reason, then you'll know that it is all about reconnecting to nature, okay? Because it is a nature language. It's a nature science. It's a nature art. So I just want people to really think about that really contemplate what I'm trying to say, okay? Now, before I get started um, into the content, I, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about some events that just took place. And also, uh, I want to talk about my Earth Brain Part 2, the Sacred Trace, and a few other things. So, the Seed 5 Metamorphosis Conference that just took place this September uh, 23rd and 24th of this year, 2023, was amazing. Nothing short of amazing. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon did such a great job. I mean, his, he did the whole conference. Well, him and Tyler uh, Bloyer uh, did the whole conference, just them. I mean, they got a little bit of help from, from a few others, too. But essentially, they're the ones that ran the whole thing. And I'm telling you, uh, Brandon did, did such an amazing job. And it was just amazing to see how one person not only put this whole thing together, but then he, uh, he did little, uh, five minute interviews with people right after each presentation. 
and it was so cool to watch. Uh, he's definitely uh, really great at interviewing people, and I hope hope to see him do more of that. You know, he did he did a great job, and I'm I'm really proud of him for uh, for this conference because he invited a lot of really amazing, solid, great workers who brought so much to the table, so much important information. And uh, everybody was had the undertone of natural law in their, in their work, which was really great. Uh, I'm really thankful to see that more. And also, uh, it was even surprising to hear some people, some more people talking about esoteric Freemasonry, which is really great too. Um, just so many amazing speakers with such great content. Uh, the presentations are getting so much better. I mean, every time, every time I see these presentations, and then here's the other thing is that these presentations are so amazing that I feel this urge to want to go back and rewatch them more and more and more because you can really tell that people are really putting the effort into these presentations. They're not just, you know, uh, just recording just their face, which is fine. I'm totally fine with that. I mean, the message is all that matters. However, when the aesthetics are, uh, you know, raised, the bar is raised with the aesthetics and the way the, the, the sound is and the imagery, I mean, it just shows how much more someone is going out of their way to really deliver the message with more clarity because that's what it does. Imagery brings more clarity to the message. And so I think it's really cool that so many people are really stepping it up uh, with their content. And they should be proud of themselves because that day was just mind-blowing, or both of those days. Uh, the 23rd and 24th of September, we really definitely sent a message to the whole world that was just um, very stellar, uh, very bright. And I hope that that conference reaches more people. I'm definitely going to leave a link in the description of show 63. So definitely check that out. If you haven't seen it or heard about it, you definitely have to watch that whole conference. You definitely will not be let down. Everybody did such a great job. And, uh, you know, Brandon and uh, Douglas Martin, they both uh, delivered such great presentations as well, you know, and I'm saying them specifically because, you know, they're part of the cubbyhole and, um, you know, just awesome, awesome presentations. And I'll leave their uh, presentations in the link or uh, I'll leave links to their presentations in the uh, description as well. And my presentation uh, Earth Brain 2, The Sacred Trace, I, um, I will say that I'm pretty proud of that 
presentation. However, I definitely feel that it deserved a uh, a lot more to it. Um, you know, it, to to try to put that type of information in two hours is just kind of uh, I don't want to say a disservice um, because it's it's very you know I feel like I I did a good good enough job at fitting it all together, but. I will say that I'm going to really thoroughly go through a lot of that information on this show real soon. And, you know, probably do a whole extended three shows to really explain a lot of what I was talking about in that presentation and maybe even four shows. I don't know. Uh, There's a lot that has to be explained more thoroughly. So, I'm going to do my best to really put it on the table here in the cubbyhole, uh, hopefully by the beginning of next year. So definitely check or, you know, look out for that. And um, I will definitely leave a link in the description of my Earthbrain 2. And if you haven't got a chance to see Earthbrain 1, I definitely recommend that you see that before you get into Earthbrain 2. And when I do the cubbyhole shows dealing with Earthbrain 1 and 2, uh, or Earthbrain, I'm going to definitely talk about Earthbrain 1 and go through that thoroughly on this show as well. Maybe not, you know, cover the whole thing, but definitely cover some things that I wanted to refine in that presentation, okay? Now... Um, as far as uh, the conference, I, I, I'm going to leave all four links of the conference in the description, okay? And another thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, I was invited to the Ethereal Arts Bazaar here in Boise, Idaho to talk about, um, on October the 8th, to talk about etymology, symbolism, truth discovery, and a few other things, but I was invited by this lady, Trinity, who runs this uh, arts, this ethereal arts bazaar, and it was really cool. I met a lot of great people, and it was the first time that I got out in front of people and did a presentation uh, you know, actually in front of a crowd uh, since I think 2018, if I remember correctly. I think that was the last time I did a presentation. I think that was at Seed. I could be wrong, but anyway, it's been a while. It's been around five years. And it was just great to uh, give a presentation and actually uh, be around people, you know, and I. I definitely recommend that people do that more because you really do have more of a connection with people when you actually see them in person. And, um, you know, when I went there, I definitely was not prepared with all the technology to give it properly, but that's okay because it's, it was my first time actually doing something on my own and I didn't know what to expect. But it is uh, something that I am going to try to do more often, and I'm going to be way more prepared next time. The first time, I only had a 
dry erase board and um it just you know it was just it was a cool experience because it was and it was very humbling as well but next time i'm gonna get a projector and hook that up to my ipad and do a you know a present uh, uh a keynote presentation so that way there's imagery and i can really uh show people more of the image or the images that I'm talking about. And I think it'll be more engaging and it's just, it's more professional and uh, it's, it's definitely something that I want to do more often because I think uh, to get on here and do this is great. And I'm going to continue to, to keep doing these cubbyhole uh, podcast audio only shows with slides but I also do my outcasting show, which is a video cast, and I typically uh, put that on YouTube and uh, Rumble and Odyssey. And, you know, what I'm just trying to do is spread out and really try to do as much as I can, you know, get this information out there uh, as many places as I can, because that's how important it is. But anyway, I just wanted to share that. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to do another. I was invited to do another talk this December the 10th. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to call it the occult origin of the Christmas tree. So that'll be really cool. And I think that a lot of people will definitely enjoy that because it'll be right before Christmas. and um, uh, that will be, uh, any of the presentations that I do there, I'm just going to upload them as a show for outcasting. Okay. So, um, that way it's just, you know, it's, it's in a, it's in a good rhythm with the shows. It keeps the outcasting shows going and, um, you know, and it, it kind of goes with what I've already been talking about. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's esoteric, so it's definitely, um, a little deeper than what a lot of people know, but also I know that people are intelligent. They can pick up on this stuff and I think they're hungry for it. And, you know, we shouldn't just, um, tiptoe around this type of information. We should be putting it out uh, the best we can. Obviously you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but you know, just don't underestimate what people are ready for. And, um, but anyway, both of those will be, uh, well, at least the, the other presentation that I gave will be in the, uh, the, the link will be in the description if you want to check that out. But the next, uh, the next presentation, December 10th will be, um, in Boise, Idaho at the lounge at the end of the universe. That's the name of the location where I will be giving that presentation, okay? So uh, one more thing I wanted to say before I get started into the content is I went to Mark Passio's presentation, his uh, almost nine-hour presentation in Philadelphia. Well, it wasn't really at Philadelphia. It was around uh, Philadelphia. I can't remember the name of the hotel where he gave the presentation, but the name of the presentation was called Two Masked, Same Face. 
the dark occult origins of Nazism and communism. And this presentation was just mind-blowing. I mean, it answered so many things that I had been wondering and uh, really just put things in perspective that made a lot of sense. And it really helped me understand that both communism and fascism or Nazism are really all the same. They're really no different at the end of the day because they're all about control. They're all about government. They're all about, uh, you know, immoral um, garbage, essentially, because that means that if we are to give away our rights to have someone else rule over us, we're just slaves. You know, and that's um, really what has to be understood about these uh, these dark uh, ideologies, these uh, control systems. Okay, and these control systems are in our mind. Okay, they're installments, and when they get too big, they become tyrannical, and you know this is where people uh, start to rebel and they either rebel and become sovereign, uh, which we're all sovereign truly in nature, but we're, on, we're under mind control. Most of us are under mind control. And the only way that we're, we're going to you know, break free of the chains of this world is to get out of the mind control and actually take action and say no, know how to say no to these dark, evil regimes that are controlling the whole world, okay? That is our duty. That is our moral obligation to say no to these evil, filthy, um, you know, uh, vermin of the world, okay? And... Anyway, some of the um, aspects of Nazism that I remember Passio talking about was Germanic paganism and theosophy and the uh, Volkish movement, the Edda Society and DAP, National Socialism, eugenics, and he talked about a lot of the people that, are, that were involved in Nazi Germany. And then, you know, dealing with communism, he talked about the Communist Manifesto and the, uh, the Jacobin uh, Club, the Secret Society of the Carbonari, the League of Outlaws, and, of course, you know, talked about a lot of the people that were involved with the communist uh, parties. So it was a very, very powerful presentation, and I highly, highly recommend uh, everybody watch that presentation when it comes out. Usually, Passio likes to put his presentations out, uh, you know, three months after uh, they come out um, for free. But I think I think typically he likes to uh, put it out for a donation at some point uh, before it comes out for free three months down the road. So. Definitely be on the lookout for that. And, you know, it's definitely worth the donation because, um, 
you know, that kind of knowledge, I mean, it is very, very, very valuable, very powerful. And um, it's highly, highly recommended that people go into that research very deeply because understanding where the dark occult origins began, especially, you know, in the past, uh, you know, thousand years, I think is very important, but I think it goes back, you know, I mean, I know it goes back way, way further than that, but it's important to understand where it really came from, um, you know, in the past thousand years. So that way we can really, uh, have a better understanding of these, uh, movements and these, uh, these different, you know, um, time periods and, uh, the, the different ways that people have been controlled. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, if, if you're not familiar with any of the, you know, major heads, uh, these, these evil powers that have ruled the world, um, or have, have, you know, sat at the, the seat of control, uh, especially in the, in the, the view of the public, um, such as, you know, Stalin and Lenin, Vladimir Lenin and uh, Hitler and uh, Mao Zedong. You know, these these people, um, even though they're puppets to some degree, they are the face of filth, okay? They are the face of just absolute slaughter. And it's important to understand that these people, um, what they did, uh, and the people behind the scenes, what they did, they were using the knowledge of the occult, okay? They're using uh, all these mystery traditions against people, and they have no idea. The people have no idea because it's been hidden. But, you know, we live in the age of information now. It's not hidden anymore. It's out in the open. You know, people are just running away from it. And it's, uh, it's sad to see. But the, the point is, is that when we can understand how it's being used or how it's been used and, you know, understand that really it's this it's it it has a lot to do with the ignorance of the people why these things keep happening over and over and over aka you the individual okay you know we got to get a, you know see communism is really when you really understand this collectivist mindset it's it's all the same with nazism it's all the same with national socialism it's all the same with um you know uh, uh fascism communism you know uh, communism is associated with the uh, more more associated with the left wing that has you know grown up into a big tyrannical mess right but but the point is 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 about understanding that there is a giant collectivist mindset and if we get in this mindset of, uh, well, no one else is going to, you know, do this thing that's right, so why should I? That's a collectivist mindset. You might as well call yourself, a, you know, a communist. 
or call yourself uh, a Nazi or call yourself a, uh, a fascist because it's all the same. Okay. So we have to get out of this uh, mindset. You, the individual, has to get out of the mindset. And I'm not talking to everybody, but, I'm, but I am talking to the individual who thinks that it, it comes down to, well, you know, other people have to do something for me to do something. You know, there has to be more people doing this thing for me to do something. That is a cop-out attitude. That is a collectivist attitude. Okay. And that's mind control. Okay. So we have to get out of that. We have to uh, find a way. Because remember this spirituality is an individual journey. Okay. Your individual journey is different from mine, and our individual journeys are <laughs> different from everybody else's individual journeys. Right. So the spiritual journey is you know, and I hate to use the word lonely, but it's a lonely journey. And, you know, most people don't understand the word lonely, what that really means. But the point is to understand that you're doing what is right because it's right. You're doing uh, the right thing because you understand truly that it's the right thing to do. Okay. And so, um, it has nothing to do with, I'm doing the right thing because everybody else is doing the right thing. No, that is a collectivist mindset. Okay. And I didn't mean to go into this, you know, big rant, but you know, I'm just saying this, this presentation, uh, the two masks, same face is a very, very important presentation. You definitely got to check it out. And, uh, you know, all the, the content that he shared in that is just so valuable. And, and it really goes hand in hand with Douglas Martin's um, depravity of a socialist mindset, uh, part one and two. So if you haven't got a chance to uh, check those out, I definitely recommend that you do so because you're really going to have a better understanding of these dialectics that most people get caught up in. Okay. We're divided within, and therefore we divide outwardly. We project that. We manifest that, okay, into these, um, you know, uh, forms of control. You know, both, you know, all these forms, all communism, Nazism, uh, socialism, uh, any, any of the socialism, um, any of the fascism, it's all forms of control controlling other people. And that goes against natural law. Okay. We have to understand that it is breaking natural law. And we can think all day long that we need one of these to, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're leaning more right, well, <laughs> you, you know, you got to jump more on uh, and just be totally okay with what most people on the right are saying, or the, you know, the same works, you know, both ways. You know, if you're leaning more on the left, you need to, uh, no matter what everybody's doing on the left, you just, you know, go along with what they're doing. And it's like, no, that means that you don't understand morality. Okay, you don't understand the difference between right and wrong. If you're, if if someone it has that mindset that they're going to, you know, pick a side. 
be more uh, conservative and right wing because I mean, they're 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 doing the right thing for the most part. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, they're they're doing some evil, but you know, I I just want to be part of that gang because they're doing the less amount of evil. Or the same thing on the left, they're they're doing the less amount of evil over here. So I'm just gonna. I'm going to, you know, side with with them. It's just silly. It's si- it's such silly nonsense. And people really have to wake up out of that, out of that mindset. Okay? That's what see Freemasonry, esoteric Freemasonry is all about equilibrium. It's about transcending the dogmas of these dualistic um ideologies or these dualistic um belief systems okay these cults the donkey cult and the the uh the elephant cult right so it's about understanding the brain it's about understanding the mind and if we can do that we can get out of these dialectics that are holding us back from really seeing the bigger picture Okay, because if we're divided within, we're divided outwardly. Right? Now, thank you for uh, making it through that rant, but I think it's very important. And, you know, it's something that I want to talk about so much more on this show. And we will uh, as we work through these shows. There is so much to talk about. Now, the last show, uh, I just want to give a quick refresher, and I'm, I'm going to refine what I, what I talked about. I know I kind of said this earlier, but I'm going to get into the 3-4-5 ratio, uh, you know, go further with that, and the, um, the uh, Comitian Trinity, the Triune Brain, the Egyptian String Trick, the symbol of the, the number seven, the Lunar Mythos, Osiris, the goddess Ma'at, and the letter uh, symbol of the capital letter L, okay? And I'm just going to talk about them all together and uh, add more in as I go. And just to let you know, I'm going to put some slides up for this show. You're going to see the Egyptian string trick and also the tracing board. So these aren't new uh, slides, but I just figured um, I'm going to talk a lot about the information uh, just to help you um, understand how to really funnel a lot of this information into these images so that way you can, you know, a lot more will be revealed to you as I go through them, okay? and. Um, before I get into that, so the, the last show I called the show Master Mason, that was the title of the last show, number 62. And, you know, please, you know, just really understand that there is just no way that I can cover the whole entirety of this degree. Okay. This Master Mason degree. Um, I don't think anybody can completely break it down. Um, because it is a lifetime achievement. Okay. All three of these boards really are. 
Um, but it's an unfoldment. Okay, a master mason is a spiritually raised human being. And that's why it's such an important um, uh, degree in Freemasonry. Okay, it's a very, very beautiful revealing science of the soul and the spirit. And, you know, there's, there's so much to it. I mean, it's just, I wish I could cover it all. Because um, I, I really enjoy going through the science or the ritual or the, the art because it's just so amazing how this information has been stored by these wonderful creative artists who have really done their homework. And this information is all about mastering the lower being and the material self, the ego, and balancing the heart with the feather. You know, Ma'at, the goddess Ma'at. Because the goddess Ma'at is about understanding the, it's about attaining equilibrium and maintaining equilibrium. Okay? So to essentially be spiritually aligned to the master mason degree in nature is really all about constant refinement and alignment to natural law that's what it's all about so this degree what it does is it allows the student to understand the second birth and the second birth is all about the spiritual adult that's being raised okay it's not a physical thing it's a spiritual thing okay and it's so important because it's about understanding that this degree helps one really feel and see and understand how important we are to this planet and to the universe okay something that we're all taught from birth that we're not important okay and that you know there's there's truth to that in the sense that you know it's not all about you but it means that you know each one of us is a special part of this whole universe and you know really uh it's it's about understanding how important the student's behavior or ashlar is to continue on and you know perfect the self. So it's about what what helps find more clarity and find the purpose, find more purpose to refine purpose. Because the more that we discover in ourselves, the more that we start to really see purpose, the more clarity of purpose that we discover. So it's about becoming a master of the self because becoming a master mason is about mastering the direction of the self by mastering the four corners of the earth being the physical lower natures, okay? I mean, that's part of it. And when we think about the, you know, the pyramid, think of it as, you know, being open, 
or, or unfolded with the bird's eye view. So a square right in the middle that you'll, that you'll see when you're you know, uh, looking from the top down, there's a square with four triangles pointing outward on each side. And these four triangles are the directions that must be mastered in order to become the philosopher's stone. Okay, so the raised point of those um, triangles, when all those triangles raise to touch the point together, that's about the fire in the middle. Okay, and this is part of understanding the rose of Rosicrucianism. This is the pyramid, the pyramid, the fire in the middle. Okay, to be to 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 have rose to your higher self, rose to your master self. So there's twelve lines uh, that are used in the drawing of those uh, four triangles, and each triangle stands for the. Uh, 12-fold constitution of man when it's complete. So it's about understanding the three-fold body. It's about understanding the three-fold mind. It's about understanding the three-fold soul. And it's about understanding the three-fold spirit. Basically, an all-around uh, higher type. And this is also what reveals the connection to the uh, 12 houses of the Zodiac and the divisions of the houses, right? So 12 is a very, very powerful number to understand. And I've shown this um, in the last episode with the Egyptian string trick, right? With the 12 knots, the 12 spaces between the knots. And also, 12 is reduced to 3, which is an equilateral triangle. Well, you know, it can be an equilateral triangle, or it can just be a triangle. But it's also uh, related to the third degree. Now, as, as far as when the Master Mason degree was first, uh, I guess, invented, supposedly, um, it was founded in 1725, okay? So, you know, somewhere in the early 1700s, I've heard different dates, but, you know, uh, most scholars say 1725. And of course, you know, this really only means it resurfaced in the lodges of that time as a symbolic science of the eschatology. Okay, final things. So the science of the Master Mason degree if we really are being honest with ourselves, if we really go all the way back to the stellar cult, the stellar mythology, we will see the similar eschatology was evolving and perfecting in that time period. That's really where eschatology started. Okay, so the science of the Master Mason degree goes back to the stellar cult or the, or the stellar mythology where the eschatology was 
evolving and perfecting. Okay. So we really have to understand that because this science of modern Freemasonry with this, with, you know, this third degree, this is the bridge back to the stellar cult. Okay. To, to help us understand this eschatology, the final things. Okay. Now the three, four, five ratio, uh, I want to talk about this three, four, five ratio. So if you want to go to the Egyptian string trick slide, um, I'm just going to talk about a lot of this information and you can just hold up this slide and just allow yourself to look at this slide and while I talk and that way you'll really start to understand and appreciate the science and the art behind this information. Okay. So it's really, really crucial, uh, especially understanding the cornerstone of Freemasonry. Okay. And this is also considered Euclid's 47th proposition or the Pythagorean theorem. Okay. But we have to understand it comes from Egypt. It comes way before Euclid, way before Pythagoras. All right. Because this is all about understanding um, that this, this, uh, this math, this geometry is very, very, very ancient. Okay. And this 47th proposition. Now, see, the, the, the thing that we have to understand about the 47th proposition that's so valuable is that it is um, helping us understand the three, four, five uh, spaces a lot further and in a way where, you know, we can really see how, how much further this math really goes and it can really reveal so much more to us. But the uh the equation of the 3 4 5 ratio in the pythagorean theorem or euclid's 47th proposition is a squared plus b squared equals c squared and i'm not going to get into all that but um that's something that i covered on the last show but this helps us better understand the significance of the egyptian string trick a lot better with especially dealing with understanding the triune brain. And it helps us understand the triune brain historically and in the present moment, okay? All things three are dealing with the triune brain and the trivium methods or the holy trinity, okay? So the, <clears throat> the uh, R-complex, the limbic system, or the mammalian brain, and the neocortex are the three-in-one brain. It's, it's all connected with understanding thoughts, emotions, and actions. And this is a direct connection to Hiram Abiff or Osiris, uh, or Osiris, Isis, and Horus as the uh, Comitian Trinity as well. Okay, it's all, it's all the same science, but the ancient Egyptian science, I would say, is so much more advanced because of its cosmic implications. Okay. This is why esoteric Freemasonry is so valuable to our origins. Okay. Cause it's right at home. It's very close to home because it's really, it's literally in our head. The science is 
it's literally physically in our head and spiritually and mentally in our, our you know associated with our head okay and i want to be clear on the right angle triangle the 3 4 5 ratio i showed how osiris is the four spaces right and isis is the 3 and horus is the 5 and <clears throat> One of the things I didn't get into on the last show is that, you know, I've found other sources who say Isis can also be, you know, the four and Osiris can be the three. And Horus is still, you know, the the five and, you know, in a different orientation. And, you know, it's really important to understand that Osiris can be all elementals interchangeably which is very important in understanding the central key to the whole uh ancient egyptian mystery we have to understand that osiris is this central figure or central legend of the whole ancient egyptian mythos but anyway understanding the uh orientation is so important the orientation of the right angle triangle has to be understood in certain directions because that's just it you're dealing with directions and we have to stay true to those directions and i'm not you know saying the other orientations are uh wrong necessarily but the most important orientation is understanding this egyptian string trick with the three spaces vertical in the middle so when you take the string and then you have the three three spaces between the four spaces and the five spaces to the ends of the string. You have the uh, three spaces in the in the middle going vertical from south to north. Okay, that's so important. And then the five spaces after the north knot are the 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 string is going to go diagonal to the west. And they're going to be meeting with the four horizontal spaces from the south, okay, where they meet with uh, the end of the string from the south at the west, okay? West is the direction of beginning and ending, okay? So this is about understanding this is where we find this right angle triangle, right? So we have to understand that. We have to understand... Uh, this orientation. And we have to understand that we start, the, the student of life starts in the West or on the floor, on earth, right? The terrestrial. And then from that point, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the uh, entered apprentice tracing board, you know, you start on the floor, right? The entered apprentice to enter and, and be on the pavement, to be on the checkerboard floor, right? And then what you're going to do is, or as the student progresses, the student is going to go in the direction of east towards light, right? And then, you know, and that means to go into the celestial, to go towards the direction of the celestial. And then, you know, from that point, once you have gotten enough light, then you can go back to 
the floor with light. Okay, so it's starting in the west and then going in the east and then coming back to the west, right? Go, starting on the ground, going uh, up in the, in the clouds, getting the light, and then coming back down the ladder or back down the spiral staircase, down to the ground, right? With light. That's the idea. That's why this orientation is so important. It's all about self-mastery. And I'm going to really get into orientation uh, very, very, very deeply as I move forward, especially dealing with the earth brain, okay? Now, one of the important points that I made about the tracing boards was how we symbolically are supposed to go back to the first degree, but going back raised, you know, to return to the first degree raised, right? Okay, so if you want to go to the tracing boards slide, I'm going to talk about the tracing boards a little bit. And this is vital, you know, because all of us don't have all the answers. Okay, there's no such thing as someone who is self-omniscient, you know, self-all-knowing. Some people act like they're self-all-knowing, okay? Um, I would say most people think they know everything, you know, even though they don't claim to know everything, they, you know, it's about their behavior, right? Um, but this instruction symbolically what it does is it directs the serious student to go back and you know retrace okay so and there's a lot more to that um but i showed you how you can discover the right angle triangle in this first degree tracing board right and this is part of understanding the third degree in the first degree because what we have to understand is all three of these degrees are one okay they're they're separated in three in order to understand the one you know just like you can't understand the one without understanding the two well it's the same thing where you really can't understand the one uh fully uh or you know I wouldn't say fully but you know you can't understand it further that's the that's the better way to say it. You can't understand it further without understanding the three. Okay, so we have to understand that once we go through these three degrees, we're going to have a better understanding how they all go together as one. Okay, and that's why I really like that one tracing board. I don't know the artist who made it, but it's called From Darkness to Light, and I shared it um, in a few of these shows, uh, here and there, but it's a big tracing board with essentially, um, many of the degrees of Freemasonry that are in it. And it's, it's a very beautiful tracing board. Now, what I exposed on, um, the last show is how to discover the capital letter G uh, the, the G square, I should say, in uh, Josea Bowring's first degree tracing board. 
and you know among other uh g words or capital g words the g uh that i'm talking about or the the word that i want to talk about that um is that comes from this g letter is generative okay which generative means to generate or create you know generative comes from gents which means to create or generate okay so we have to understand this um, generative word. And there's only one thing truly that can be generated at this point. And that is what? And if you think uh, or said care with a capital C, you are 100% correct. Care is what is generated through the sacred feminine. And why is that? Well, it's because care generates through upright emotions. Think about that. And that, um, and you know, once the emotions are upright, then it's about understanding, are they level with thoughts? Okay, are they level? Are they equal? with thoughts in order to generate correct behavior because it's about thoughts, emotions, and actions, okay? To have them aligned. And what are they aligned to? They're aligned to natural law. So it's about having a straight plumb line, okay? And that also has to deal with the, the key. The key is a plumb line, okay, in the middle of the, the tracing board. And, of course, you know, you have the middle initiate, which is green. Green's in the middle. And that's also, you know, green, the G is also, it stands for green, okay? So this is why Hiram Abiff is the widow's son. Hiram Abiff is the byproduct of care. Hiram Abiff is generated from care. Hiram Abiff represents moral uprightness and equilibrium of the self, symbolically. Because, you know, Hiram Abiff is an archetype. He is an archetype of the self. So the crescent moon with, you know, the seven stars uh, that you see at the top right, this is the G, the capital letter G, the C7, okay? So the G is the C and the seven put together. So to see with your eyes or I, the seven stars right? The seven stars to see the seven stars, right? And you can only see the seven if you care enough to see the seven. That's what it's all about. Do you care enough to see the seven? Do you care enough 
to capital G? Do you care enough to arrive at the capital G because you have generated care to arrive at the C7? And that's the capital symbol letter G. Also keep in mind there's no coincidence that, you know, the lost principle, the eighth generative hermetic principle, the hidden principle, or lost principle, this is all about encapsulating the seven hermetic principles. That's why the, the reverse seven in this uh, tracing board is eight spaces altogether. Okay. And that's that's one reason. Okay. There's more reasons that the seven is also the eight. Okay. And I'm not going to get into that on here, but just, you know, keep that in mind. Now, <clears throat> it's really important to understand why the right angle, the 90 degree angle, uh, why it comes together at the lunar crescent. Okay. In this image. And this is Osiris wedding with Isis, okay? This is the four, the four spaces meeting with the three spaces of the, the, the right angle triangle of the Egyptian string trick, okay? So the material uh, meeting with the spirit is what we have to understand. This is care. Care is what unites the material with the spirit, truly, okay? Because it's about allowing or caring enough to raise the spirit from the material, okay? To raise the spirit, uh, not really necessarily from the material, but with the material, okay? And I'm going to explain this a little bit further, but care is essentially to discover and revive the lunar sacred feminine science of the self. So this is where we must go because discovering and reviving the sacred feminine back into our hearts is truly about, you know, really caring with a capital C enough. Okay, we have to care enough. It's about uh, you know, being moral and realigning to nature through the unseen forces. That's what spirituality is all about. It's about putting the triangle on top of the square. And the triangle on top of the square is knowledge of self. It's about the temple of consciousness. Seven is the number of completion. Okay, that's what we have to understand. That is the number of completion because it's about understanding that the lunar science is dealing with the seven. And the, that's what's lost. That's what's lost. The, the, the sacred feminine energy, the, the, lunar, the lunar mythology science is what is lost. And we must revive that. Right now, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the square, and I'm talking about the four corner square. 
not the Masonic square. Okay, so the symbol of the number four is very critical to this ancient Egyptian mystery. Okay, and the number four not only holds the three, four, five ratio, but it provides the literal crux or cross where the three and the four meet or join at the crescent of this image. Okay, so it holds within it the right angle triangle. Okay, that is so important to understand in the symbol of the number four. So the symbol of the four holds the mystery of the square and triangle. Think about that. It holds the mystery of the lunar crux and the four divisions of the lunar 28-day cycle. And this is a very big deal, but you know, I'm not going to really go too far into it. I just wanted to make mention of it here. Um, that it has been, you know, heavily superimposed or overlapped by the solar cult doctrine. And I will uh, definitely go a lot further into this probably in the next few shows. But just keep in mind that, you know, raising from the casket means to, it means the, the spirit raising in the body, the physical body, by being morally aligned to natural law. It's about understanding that the spirit, the three, is in the square, in the four, or box, or body, okay? So the body is associated with the four because the body is the square and it needs to be raised in order to understand it and live with it and to reconnect to nature. It's all about understanding that the material shouldn't rule the spirit. You know, living in materialism, living uh, in base desires, living with the belief that there is nothing but material in the universe. But it's about uh, understanding that the spirit raises and works with the material body because they're one and the same, okay? They're not, they're not disconnected. That, but we have to understand them dualistically in order to understand them and how they go together. And why they are, you know, they just are together. Okay, this is about correcting the alignment of ourselves individually to nature. That's what it's about. That's what the whole Osiris myth is all about. It's about the second birth, which is about the triangle coming out of the square or going up above the square. Okay, and so that four, that symbol holds the right angle triangle.
And that is very, very significant, okay? Because when we understand that crux, that cross of that symbol of the number four, we understand that is the exact place of that lunar crescent, which is the G square. Okay, that is the crux. That's where we must go. You know, the lunar, we must go to the lunar and the seven stars. Because remember, the lunar is the, the crescent moon is the reflection of the little bear. Because we have to understand that the crescent of the moon, the light of the crescent, is the light of the all-seeing eye. And the all-seeing eye is all things seven being the little bear, okay? The Ursa Minor, the little dipper. And this is something we're gonna understand much further as we uh, learn about the earth brain, okay? And this is something I'm gonna really, really uh, hammer on very soon. Uh, but if you haven't got a chance to watch my new presentation, I do explain it in there, but I'm gonna explain it much fuller in this show eventually. But it's about understanding that the sun, even though the sun is the light that reflects off the moon literally, okay, that is very important to understand because the sun is the symbol of the ultimate light, okay? It's the symbol of light, the raising light. And that's what we have to understand it as. But the sun is not the most high symbolically. The most high symbolically is the little bear, okay? It goes so much further. We have to understand that. We have to understand that the all-seeing eye is about the stars that never set in the northern hemisphere especially, which is the little bear and, you know, uh, uh, cycling around Polaris, right? Or with Polaris, okay? So we really have to understand that all things seven are stored in the little bear, and that is the real light. That is the true light of, symbolically, of course, the true light of the seven that reflects off the moon, okay? Because that's what the light is. The, moon, the light on the moon is the east. The up in, in the middle, that is the eye, okay, that we must understand. And it's, uh, it's very involved and it's very difficult, but once you really see it, once you really, really see what that means, it's all going to make sense. And it's a very beautiful science because it really helps us connect to everything in nature. Because then we start to understand and appreciate this Osiris myth a lot further. Um, but, and that's what, you know, restoring lunar care is all about. It's all about the seven. You know, think about all the sevens that are in this tracing board. And, you know, there might be more sevens that I'm not aware of because that's how much uh, it reveals. But, there is a seven, you know, going from the sun to the eye to the moon, down the right pillar to the ground. That's one seven. 
And then you have the reverse seven with the, you know, the moon to the eye to the sun down the ladder. That's the reverse seven. Then you have the eye in the middle. That's seven when you understand what that means. And then you have the seven stars around the moon. Okay. And that's supposed to represent the G, the C7, right? So it's very, very encrypted and very beautiful, you know, when you really can see it. And it's, it's all about understanding geometry. It's all geometry. It's sacred geometry, okay? And, you know, when we uh, bring enough knowledge to the information, it all starts to make sense. Now, back in the 1700s, it is said that some of the lodges of that time where the Freemasons gathered for, you know, their, their lodge meetings was during the night of a full moon, right? Because at that time, there wasn't any streetlights. And the members of the lodges were dependent on the full moon light in order to find their way back home. And I thought that was really significant reading that because, um, you know, it's symbolic in a way, right? And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously literal. Because, you know, if you don't have street lights or you don't have, you know, a stick with fire or a lantern, it might be hard, hard to find your way back home at night, right? Um, but what I, the way that I look at it is I would say it was a, a type of lunar alignment because you're learning at night and you're also using the power of that full moon light, that full moon energy at night, right? And <clears throat> I just wanted to share that because, you know, the full moon is not only symbolically significant to our lineage back into antiquity, because, you know, it's about finding our way back home spiritually, you know, back to our origins right? I would say it's also about aligning, you know, to the lunar in order to revive it. Okay. So it's about becoming knowledgeable about the lunar, about the moon as a form of illumination in the night sky, right? To become illuminated in the darkness of self by actually, you know, using that moonlight to be aligned with that moon, not just the sun during the day, but also the moon at night and also the stars. And, you know, be, you know, of course, becoming knowledgeable about it first and foremost, because, you know, without knowledge, it's just all feeling, it's just all intuition. And that really doesn't get us too far. Uh, but it's about understanding the knowledge so that way we can reconnect with it, uh, with, with a fuller understanding. Now, <clears throat> the ritual of Osiris is all about, it's all based on the revival of care 
and a human being. That's what I've gathered. And I really, truly understand that to a high enough degree to say it like that. It's all about reuniting with nature or source. Okay. So the stellar, the lunar, and solar mythologies are essentially epochs of evolution in the ritual of Osiris. And that that's what helps us understand what's going on uh, on, on a deeper spiritual level in the past and all through history and up into the present day, right? And the lunar mythos has the least amount of the original rituals that are associated with it because uh, they've either been obliterated, they've been ignored, or sequestered, or all three. So I really do believe that the only way that we're really going to truly revive care in the world is restoring the uh, lunar uh, mythologies, uh, which is, you know, dealing with the lunar sciences. And this is all about, you know, piecing this Osiris legend or myth back together properly. And I do believe it can be done because it has to be done. Otherwise, socialism and patriarchy are just going to prevail and, um, you know, we're probably just going to go extinct. But we just have to stay diligent and true to the sciences of the moon and the mythologies that are surrounding it. And that does not mean to uh, just, you know, not focus on the solar and the stellar because we must. I mean, we're not going to understand the lunar or the stellar without understanding the solar. And, you know, the, the stellar is, um, you know, further back than the lunar, as far as I understand. And I would say um, it's harder to understand in, in a certain way, but it seems that more of the stellar mythology science has been, uh, has surfaced enough to recognize its importance to the way that we understand Freemasonry in the modern day and understand ourselves because it's dealing with the Holy Trinity. It's dealing with the trivium. It's dealing with, um, you know, uh, the, the seven it's dealing with the solar, uh, the sun, it's dealing with the lunar, the moon, it's dealing with the sacred feminine, the sacred masculine and the equilibrium. Okay, it's dealing with so many things, uh, really everything to do with the self. Okay, so it's a very, um, you know, the, the lunar mythology is a very delicate subject that most just, you know, they want to stay away from. Because I would say it has a lot to do with epigenetics. You know, we have been epigenetically modified to worship the sun. And there's a lot of evidence for this. And the sun worship has overlapped uh, the, everything to do with the lunar. And the lunar is what is, uh, holds the stellar. And, you know, the, the solar is holding a lot of the stellar remnants and lunar remnants as well. Okay. But we have to understand that <clears throat> we're going to have to really, really uh, rewire ourselves 
to, and that is caring to rewire ourselves is the care. Okay. Because it's about rewiring ourselves back to nature correctly. It's about correcting ourselves. And only you can do that, the individual. I can't do that for you. I'm just, you know, showing the door to what I know and understand. And you have to, you know, take up that mantle. You have to be the one to pull that sword from the stone and, and try to figure this out for yourself. Okay, I'm just laying this information out the best I can in hopes that it inspires you, the individual, to do your own diligence and find out more about this information so that way we can all really look at it on the round table together um, further, you know. So I'm very thankful for all the researchers who have done all the work they have done, their, you know, massive magnum opus that they have put on the table. So that way we have a chance to really look at this uh, as, as, as clear as possible. And um, it's, it's <laughs> not an easy thing to do by any means. Um, and, you know, easy, easiness is the direction of slavery. We have to remember that, okay? And if we really want freedom, we have to labor for it as hard as we labor for gold, okay? And that is really what it comes down to. We have to, um, you know, really focus on what is important to us. Is freedom important to us enough to fight for? Or do we just, you know, stay comfortable in our slavery? You know, it's up to you, the individual, to, to help, um, you know, build this collective effort to get out of slavery. And even if the whole world, even if every single person on this planet was just decided to go uh, in, in the easy direction and just go along to get along and uh, just... Well, maybe maybe we would actually all get along, and we, you know, but that that's not the point. The point is, if if everybody's going in the wrong direction, and you know it's the wrong direction, I'm, I'll speak for myself. I'm going in the right direction, regardless of if anybody else is going in the right direction or not. Okay, that's how much you must care for truth and freedom if you really care for it. And um, that's a hard thing to come to grips with because of how much we have become dependent on mommy and daddy, government and state with this collectivist mindset. Because we all want some kind of hero other than ourselves. We don't, we don't like the fact that we are the only hero there really is, you know, individually, of course. Now, I've kind of, you know, further refined the cornerstone, um, and I've, I've talked about the Comitian Trinity a little bit further, and the Triune Brain, the Egyptian String Trick, the Seven, and the Lunar Mythos, especially, and Osiris, and these are all 
Very, very important to the third degree. Okay. Very, very important to the third degree, but they're important to all three degrees. It's just, um, we probably shouldn't be looking into this type of information until we've got to the third degree. And I would say that is absolutely true because no one's ready for this type of information till they have arrived at the third degree. So the other part that I wanted to further talk about is Ma'at, the goddess of truth and justice. And her name is what is so significant because the meaning of Ma'at means that which is straight. And we have to use the corresponding understanding of a solid foundation of a building or a structure uh, with a you know a solid horizontal line uh, that is meeting a perfect vertical line to cause a perfect perpendicular uh, to make you know a solid structure right so maat is akin to the emblem of truth or the cubit of justice that which is straight okay so just think about the uh, the plumb line in relation to the line used for uh, Ma'at's weighing of the heart against the feather uh, on the scales, right? Which is, you know, this is what Ma the goddess Ma'at uh, is in charge of. This is what uh, she is doing in nature. You know, if we were to look at, at Ma'at in nature, she would be akin to natural law or or truth, right? So this is the figure this is the um the elemental power in nature that allows one to pass on into the afterlife the quote unquote afterlife okay so this force in nature maat the goddess maat is who judges the behavior of a being who is uh, are, are ready to either stay in materialism and darkness and ignorance or to pass on by raising the spirit and be renewed into uh, a moral being in the world. So this is about, you know, measuring someone's behavior to see who's out of line. So think about that. To measure or see who's essentially acting out of line, a.k.a. transgressing natural law, who's misbehaving, right? Because it's, if, if the plumb line is crooked, this symbolizes a transgression. And that's where we you know, get the idea that someone who does wrong, someone who is a thief, you know, to take what is not theirs, to take this person is crooked. Or, you know, uh, a lot of people um, in the older days would say a crook, someone who is a crook. I mean, I still people hear people use the word crook, um, but this is where it comes from. Okay, this behavior is akin to a wrongdoing. To be crooked or to be a crook is to be a thief which is a wrongdoing. To steal is a wrongdoing. 
So this would mean that, you know, the scales are off. This would mean the string is crooked, right? And someone who is good and does good because it's the right thing to do, the scales are balanced and the heart and the feather are balanced and they create a perfect vertical plumb line. So, you know, they get a pass. <laughs> they get a pass into the quote unquote afterlife or the, the raising of the spirit into equilibrium, right? So they are in line. A person who is good because it's because they're doing good because it's the right thing to do. They are in line or in alignment with natural law, right? Their behavior is correct, just as, you know, uh, correctly building a solid foundation of a structure. You know, because we have to understand we are buildings, we, you know, we can, we have to understand the correspondence of building a building outwardly is the same as building a good foundation building within the temple, right? The temple of self, the temple of Solomon, right? The building of temp the temple of Solomon is the science of building a solid moral structure aligned to natural law within. And if we don't have a good structure within, we, um, we will manifest that outwardly. Okay. And so that's the, you know, it's the same as understand. That's why all these, uh, symbols or tools in Freemasonry are all about, uh, how to build a structure outwardly, which is akin or corresponding to the symbols or tools that we use to build a structure inwardly. Okay. So it's about building a moral being inwardly. And this type, and this is also uh, part of understanding the tool and the symbol known as the skirt. And the skirt is essentially a Masonic tool that measures out a straight line for a solid foundation of a building. Okay. So, you know, this is also akin to, you know, the chalk line um, that is, you know, made to uh, have a straight line in the sand, right? Or on concrete. And it looks like a capital T. The, the actual symbol looks like a capital T. And it has, uh, it's essentially a spool for the, the thread, okay? So the thread is wrapped around this capital T symbol. And this tool, uh, the skirt, um, is something that you can find if you look at uh, Josea Bowring's third degree tracing board in the little white rectangle between the plumb roll and the level on the top of the, the casket. Okay, so it's, it's a tool that helps us find a straight line and a circle. Okay. So think about it, you know, if you unravel the skirt uh, line, the, th the thread from, a, from the point, or you put the, um, the skirt on the dot or wherever you're going to measure from, and you pull that line, well, that line is going to create a, a perfect straight line. And then also you can make a circle around that point, right? So this is about staying straight in 
moral behavior and acting from the point in you know all 360 degrees outwardly in life right so it's about maintaining a straight line no matter you know what direction the, that you go in life right it's about uh being straight in the sense of being moral uh any direction that you go all directions all 360 degrees of life and the pencil that you see in the bottom right of uh, that little white right uh, uh, rectangle in the um, on top of the uh, the casket is uh, that is a recording principle, and the recording principle is about understanding the all-seeing eye. Okay, the all-seeing eye sees everything; it's recording everything, right? And the all-seeing eye is uh, is akin to the circled dot symbol. Okay, something I haven't really got too far into, but I'm definitely on my way to really, really breaking that symbol down. Um, but it's about tracing out our foundation or, you know, the measurement of our behavior. It's um, something that can be looked at like, you know, remembering what one observes, basically like a, a note taker, right? And that pencil is also about uh, being sharp and raised out of dullness, okay? So, you know, an unsharpened pencil is dull, which is akin to a dull mind, and then once it's sharpened, um, you know, it becomes, it goes to a point, and it becomes uh, sharp, like the way that we think and the way we act. So our whole life is about sharpening ourselves, sharpening our mind to, to have more clarity. You know, when you're drawing with a pencil, you're trying to, um, you know, uh, to have a sharp pencil, you draw more crisp and more sharp and more, you have more clarity in your uh, details, right? And a less sharpened pencil is more dull. It's, you're not going to get those beautiful sharp lines, right? Now, <clears throat> The, uh, the compasses on the left side of that rectangle symbolize fate because it's up to the, you know, the lawmaker, the capital L lawmaker of the universe, you know, the great architect of the universe to essentially judge one's behavior symbolically, uh, you know, the, uh, the, building, the building's structure, right? So the building's structure will be judged. Uh, internally, right? And that that structure is essentially the way that we behave because it's about squaring one square, right? Because if we if we want a solid foundation, we can't cut corners. We have to square our square. That means, you know, constantly refining our behavior in the world. Because natural law is a constant unfoldment, right? Our whole life is one unfoldment of sharpening ourselves like a pencil, you know, to constantly sharpen ourselves till we, you know, there's nothing left, right? Um, because, you know, eventually we have to die physically, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's just one way to look at it. So, now, you know, one thing that we uh, constantly have to ask ourselves 
I would say is, is it, you know, when it comes to our behavior in life and the way that we build a better version of ourselves every day, we have to ask ourselves, is it level and plumb in the floor plan? Is our structure and our behavior good enough to keep building from? You know, that's why it's important to make sure that we do things right from the beginning. Well, we don't really know what that means until, you know, maybe it's too late sometimes, but we do have to keep going and building a better structure. So that way, you know, and that means going back down to the floor, doing more work. And uh, that way we have a better structure to work from as we progress and as we become more conscious. So um, there's a lot that goes into that. But, you know, one more thing I wanted to kind of mention here before I get off here is I did talk about the L symbol and the, the capital L. And the capital L is so significant because it is the numerical value of 12 in the alphabet, right? So we have to understand that the, the, the L is upside down of the seven. The seven comes before the L. So we have to understand it's the same measurement, right? You have the three and the four. And the L is associated with law, capital L law, which is natural law, not man's law. Man's law is the four uh, spaces of the lowercase L. Natural law is all seven spaces of the capital L, which is the three and the four. Okay, so we have to understand that. And then we have to understand that <clears throat> this is about understanding how the um, Egyptian string trick holds the 12, it holds the 7, and it holds the 5. And these are very, very powerful, significant numbers to really appreciate and understand. And that, that Egyptian string trick not only holds the 12, the 7, and the 5, but it also holds the uh, 3 and the 4 as well, because the 4 is, you know, the whole right angle triangle is the symbol of the number 4, but also it holds the 3 because it's three sides, right? And um, also, you know, uh, four directions too. That's another reason for the 4, the four directions, you know, uh, north, east, south, and west, right? So um, I just wanted to make mention that, uh, you know, when it comes to the five, uh, the five is very interesting because the five is a symbol made of two symbols, a combo of two symbols, which is the uh, C, which is backwards, and then you have the seven or the L on top of the C. Okay, so you could look at it as, you know, a C7 again, right? To see the seven in the five, right? Because it's about understanding that the seven is passed on from the five, right? Through Osiris, because 
the stellar mythology is dealing with the seven and Osiris is dealing with the, the X or the five, right? You know, the, the five points of the X. Um, but it's also, you know, Osiris, you know, when it com- becomes, um, when it goes further into the solar, that's when it becomes the cro- the cross, right? The five points of the cross. Okay, so we really have to understand that. And my point that I want to make here is that, you know, this five symbol is very peculiar because it has the L and the seven on top of the C. Um, and I, you know, I don't really fully see what that is saying, but I just wanted to make, you know, mention of it here. Um, I mean, cause I do see, see that it holds the seven and the L right to, to be able to see, cause if you understand the five, you definitely understand the L and the seven. Okay. Because it's all about re- number re- reduction. You're going from, uh, you know, 14 down to one. That's what you're trying to work back from, right? Because we can't really understand, just like you can't understand the one without understanding the two. Well, it's the same. You can't understand the one without understanding the 14. And then the 13, then the 12, the 11, the 10, the 9, the 8, the 7, the 6, the 5, 4, 3, 2, and then the 1, right? So we have to understand that the, the 5 has, these, has this uh, number and letter combination symbolism. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the capital letter E is... Uh, numerically the five, right? So we have to understand that this E is also very significant with understanding the, you know, the L and the seven and the C, okay? I mean, the E is everything (laughs) because, I mean, it's E. E is E everything, right? So. Um, it's very powerful, you know, when you really, really understand it because E, uh, I've already gone over everything that, uh, E stands for, but it is about equilibrium. It is about, um, you know, the equator and it is about the epigominal days even, right? And that's something I didn't really say before, but I'm just, I'm saying it now. You know, the epigominal days, the, the five days that are out of time, the holy days of the year, which is dealing with Osiris, right? The 360 days of a year plus the five extra days. The five extra days are the epigominal days. So it's really, really significant. I'm going to go so much further into all of this um, as we move forward. But I just wanted to make mention of that with that uh, symbol combination of the five. Because there's so much to it. And I'm not, you know, I just want to be clear that, you know, it's something that I've been contemplating for a while. But uh, I will say 
that, you know, there's a lot more to it that, you know, maybe I'm not completely seeing, but as we go through, maybe I will see it further. And, you know, it's just, we have to understand these symbols, when you start reducing them, you really can't uh, really appreciate and understand them until you have gone through all the other ones to make it to that symbol. Um, because you have to understand everything that comes after in order to understand everything that, uh, um, comes before it's very strange how it works, but I think, you know, if you're really following along with what I'm saying, I think you'll understand what I, what I'm getting at. It's, uh, very beautiful. You know, it's not, it's not easy to do. Um, it takes a lot of contemplation. It takes a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of care to do this. And <clears throat> I know that uh, it's, it's just very difficult for a lot of people to grasp, um, but that's because it, it really takes the, the serious student to really go through this type of information to really see it for themselves. And um, there's a lot to it, and I'm just going to keep on going. Um, I think on the next show, <clears throat> I'm going to get, I'm going to go further into the uh, lunar mythology, and I'm also going to get into the Ka, which is about understanding the spirit, the raising of the spirit. And also, I definitely will be doing a show, maybe not the next show, but definitely in the next few shows, I'm going to talk about the X and everything to do with the X, because it is very important when trying to understand this number five and the uh, Osiris uh, science, the science, the science of Osiris and the, uh, the whole mythology of this legend. Okay. So it is, I mean, it, it's it's extremely important because if we don't understand it, then we're not going to understand what it really truly means to pe- to piece all the puzz- the pieces of the puzzle back together to to really see the bigger picture. Okay, because <clears throat> it really is all about getting back to one, right? Source, nature, nature is number one. You know, source is number one. All is one. And that way, uh, you know, the, the beauty of connecting to one is uh, that is that's part of the journey. You know, um, some people are not really everybody wants to reconnect to the one. They all do. All of us. We're all wired to want to connect to the one to source, to nature. But a lot of us um, have been proven to be very lazy and very apathetic and very ignorant, willfully, to uh, any information or any knowledge that could actually help us reconnect to that nature or to that source or to the source, right? Because it's about understanding that as we neglect this information, things get worse. You know, 
uh, things will progressively get worse because we don't realize that we're in an imbalance. We don't realize that collectively we're in a uh, division within. And <clears throat> this whole Osiris mythology is all about putting the pieces back together as a form of equilibrium. That's what it's all about. Because Osiris is nature itself, symbolically, of course, you know, as, a, as an archetype. And so once we really start to see that, um, then we're going to take, you know, uh, we're going to really understand and appreciate this type of information. We're going we're gonna to really appreciate Freemasonry. We're going to really appreciate tarot. We're going we're gonna to really appreciate all these mystery traditions that are trying to help us piece this all back together. Okay. And Freemasonry, you know, what I want to say about Freemasonry is I see it as <clears throat> um, <laughs> the spiritual veins that connect to everything. It's really just connecting everything into one. It is essentially the central esoteric system that is connected to all other esoteric systems. Okay. And so <clears throat> essentially, you know, uh, it is the, it is the round table uh, of the soul because in order to really you know, you could just completely throw away the idea of Freemasonry. You don't even have to say Freemasonry. You could just say uh, an eclectic understanding of all esoteric systems and religions and, uh, you know, science and, you know, uh, all, all the everything, everything that has, ha you know, geometry. You could just say sacred geometry. You don't have to say Freemasonry. I just say Freemasonry because. Um, I understand it. I understand what it is, and I'm not afraid to use the term, um, you know, but a lot of people are afraid of the word. A lot of people uh, allow themselves to stay stigmatized with that word. They allow themselves to be triggered by that word. And, you know, that's just really a very uneducated student who... Um, is not straight in their plumb line. Their plumb line is very uh, off <laughs> um, because you know they don't uh, they don't want to become upright in their emotions. It's it's part of this um, emotional mind control that's going on. And you know uh, if you want to stay ignorant and stay apathetic, you know that's that's up to you. But it's a it's wrong. To stay willfully ignorant is wrong. It is a, especially when, um, I mean, anytime, anytime in the world it's wrong, but especially when slavery is taking place. Uh, to understand if, if suffering is taking place in this world and to stay ignorant to the suffering taking place, that is a very, you know, the ancient Egyptians would say that's a very evil uh, behavior. And I couldn't disagree with that because it means that <clears throat> to, to recognize that suffering is taking place in the world and to not care about it is to not care about the self because we're all connected. You know, we have to understand we're all one family. The whole human race 
is one family. And we must treat each other like family because that's what love is. You know, we must handle each other like family. It doesn't mean uh, that we're not going to be mad and want to, you know, uh, go to war with each other either. It doesn't mean that. It just means that, you know, we have to uh, treat every situation like, you know, uh, every confrontation that we have with our neighbor, our brother, our sister, we have to treat them like their family first and foremost regardless of how they treat us you know individually because they're not awake they're not awake to what that really means but i will say that when you treat it like that it's because you've become aware that we're not divided we're not separate truly in nature and that's a hard thing to awaken to you know and th- this all comes with understanding the self and understanding the equilibrium, this uh, alchemical marriage within is all about reuniting within and therefore reuniting outwardly as well. And we must understand this if we want to lessen the suffering that's taken place in this world. Because it all starts with you, the individual, as I keep saying over and over and over. And I'll just keep on saying it because it's that important. The individual has to learn to heal themselves and then help others heal. If they, and you know, once they heal, they'll truly understand what that means. Some people, they'll heal, they'll heal themselves enough to where they can, you know, kind of understand what's going on and, uh, and then maybe they'll turn and go into the world and uh, want to become a manipulator and take advantage of other people. And it makes them, you know, feel, feel good about themselves. And, you know, that causes suffering. And they don't realize that because they've only uh, went halfway up the mountain, so to speak, you know, symbolically. Uh, you know, the, um, the people who uh, go up the mountain and pitch their tent and, uh, you know, halfway up the mountain and say, this is good enough for me. I don't need to go any further. Right. And, you know, those, those type of people, um, they don't realize how, how close they are to finding more light that can actually heal them and create equilibrium. But also they don't realize that, um, that by going halfway up the mountain and then going, you know, kind of, uh, giving up, giving up or giving in. And, you know, this is, this is what creates more suffering. You know, we must go all the way. There are two mistakes on the path to truth or enlightenment. And that is not starting the journey and not going all the way on the journey, right? You know, uh, not starting means to reside in darkness, reside in ignorance and apathy. Um, which, you know, all, obviously uh, going halfway is also about ignorance and apathy, okay? Um, but going all the way, not going all the way, I mean, that's, um, you're really missing out on the beauty of life because not going all the way means not understanding purpose or role in nature. And to know your role in nature 
and understand your role in nature is uh, very beautiful. And it doesn't mean you're ever going to fully understand your role in nature. It just means you're going to understand it enough to understand that it's it's a constant unfoldment. It's a con- it's a constant uh, sharpening and um, a constant uh, refinement of the self. And, you know, continuing to align to natural law and continuing to learn about natural law. And um, it's, a, it's a very hard thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to do. It's not easy, but it's also very beautiful. It's very rewarding. And um, it, it gives you a whole type of appreciation that you never knew you had. At least for me, it has, you know. So, and I've heard from other researchers who have at least gone as far as I have. Um, I've, I've heard them speak the same way and, um, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's extremely beautiful, but it's also very, uh, tiring. It's very, it really, uh, the great work is not a joke. You know, the, the true great work is. I mean, you are sacrificing everything to learn this information and then to spread it to others because you recognize that slavery is suffering. And to see the suffering taking place in this world is to care enough to do something about it. And the people that are doing this work, you know, I have the highest you know, to my own capacity, I have the highest appreciation for those people and what they've done. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, there's researchers that have done way more for this world than I have, and I appreciate them. But, you know, I, I know that to have the level of appreciation that they deserve, I don't know that I'll ever have that, but I definitely have somewhat of, a, of an appreciation for them. Uh, enough to where I understand that what they're doing is extremely valuable and it is the right thing to do. And I'm very uh, thankful for them. And I'm, you know, I'm really thankful for those of you who are listening, who are doing the great work or who are starting on the great work. You know, it takes a lot of courage to start this work. And, um, you know, I hope you continue. I hope you progress and keep going and never give up because it's worth it. And we need more people like you to, uh, you know, the whole world needs more people like you to, to step up and really push yourself. And if you're someone who's just taken in this information, I appreciate you too, you know, because, um, you know, you, what you're, what you're doing is you're, having the courage to even look into this type of information. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is very, very overwhelming and at first, but you know, once you get into it and get the hang of it and you keep, uh, you know, take steps, it's not something that you're just going to learn overnight. Um, and that's the beauty of it because, Life is an unfoldment of new um, 
new uh, degrees of consciousness. And once we become conscious of one thing, that is a beautiful moment. And then becoming conscious of another thing, another beautiful moment. And we uh, sometimes, you know, think about the law of inertia. It's about momentum, right? So the more momentum that you gain, you might start out really, really slow. I remember my days where I just started out real slow, just a little bit here and there of information. And then as I progressed, um, you know, started taking more notes, started watching more, started uh, being more disciplined with my time. Um, and then I progressed more and I started taking more notes. And before I knew it, I was uh, making content. And um, then I kept progressing in how the content came out and the aesthetics and the information, the level of information, the level of rhetoric, rhetoric the, you know, um, the level of research, you know, taking myself more serious. And that's the beauty, because the more serious we become about the information, that doesn't mean, you know, just be callous and cold and, you know, doesn't mean don't have fun. It just means, you know, take yourself serious in the knowledge. Take yourself serious in the information and what you're going to do with it. Be serious in what you really care about in this world, right? And. That's a hard thing to wake up to, but, you know, I think we all want the same thing. We all want freedom, but a lot of us, um, you know, uh, we all have different uh, ways of how we're going to approach that. And um, we're all different in degrees to some, you know, to some degree, but we're all bound by the same law, right? So we have to find our role in nature. All of our roles is, are the same thing in nature because we're all bound to the same law, right? But <clears throat> how we get there is unique because we all have a unique journey, right? And um, I think I'm going to go ahead and end it there. So if you made it this far, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you tuning in. If you're interested in any in any of the uh, other shows of of the Cubbyhole or outcasting shows or any of the news or uh, you know presentations, you can go to Cubbyhole.com and also, I mean, if you're not there already, and if you have any questions regarding any of the topics uh, for these shows, please email me at cubbyhole at mail.com. And that is it, guys. So I'm your host, Nate Cap. Thank you for listening. And keep in mind to do no harm, defend truth, and keep transcending dogma.